Welcome back, Giants fans. Today we're going to do a video answering the community page questions. I figured it'd be a good time during the slow part of the offseason. So we have eight questions, but I'll try and go in depth with all those. I don't know how long the video will be, but hopefully you guys enjoy. Leave a like. It always helps out. And let's get into it. First question from Ben Lee. Assuming the offense is healthy all season long, what are your expectations on Daniel Jones? So first off with Daniel Jones, he's going to be better than he was the past two seasons. I, I don't see how it gets any worse. I really don't. Like you're just talking about going from Jason Garrett to a much better play caller, whether it is Mike Kafka, Brian Dable, or a combination of both, which is the most likely outcome. Right there, you have just much better play calling. Then you look at the guys they added to this team, hopefully getting a full season of Kadarius Toney, getting Wandale Robinson, a tight end and Daniel Bellinger that I like. So you're getting better weapons, hopefully a healthy Saquon Barkley. This team hopefully has their left tackle, right tackle spots figured out. Of course, they have to stay healthy. Evan Neal has to prove he can play in the NFL, which I think he will. But if Andrew Thomas plays a full season, you get Evan Neal playing well then right there, your left tackle, right tackle spots will hopefully keep Daniel Jones upright. As for the interior offensive line, it's not as important when talking about pass blocking, but those guys just have to be decent. I have a lot of faith in Glowinski to be a good right guard. As for the center spot, left guard spot, that's a wait and see, but I think they'll figure it out. Left guard, I'm a bit more concerned about, but I do ultimately think they'll figure it out. Now, number-wise for Daniel Jones, I expect kind of his rookie season maybe a bit better. Now, he did have 18 fumbles in 12 starts as a rookie and lost 11 of them. You cannot have that. Like, Daniel Jones, if he puts up his rookie stats that he did back in 2019 but cuts the turnovers in half, I think you can live with that. That's not going to uh, convince me that he's a franchise quarterback, but that will give the Giants a really good chance of winning football games, assuming the defense is decent this year, which they have been the past couple years. So hopefully we get that. I think Daniel Jones has been coached in a way the last couple years to really take the turnovers away. It's not a secret, but you also have to get those big plays back into his game like he had back in 2019 with Pat Shermer. So you have to find a way to get to uh, the 2019 Daniel Jones and the past two years of Daniel Jones and put the conservativeness of the last two years, but the aggressiveness of 2019 and put it all together. It's not an easy task to do in year four. It's probably a lot for this coaching staff to do a lot for Daniel Jones to really take in mentally, but that just, you know, is just the situation when right now it is what it is. So if I had to sit here and project a Daniel Jones stat line for next year, I would go like 3,600 passing yards, 26 passing touchdowns, which might be a bit low, but like I'm just trying to be as realistic as possible. 13 interceptions, so you would get a 2-1 to one touchdown interception ratio. I'll take that. And a 62 completion percentage. But once again, this question goes back to what are your expectations if they all stay healthy? Like, that's the problem. The Giants never tend to stay healthy. You know, we know with um, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, we saw Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, all were hurts last year at certain points. So they have to be healthy. Will they all be healthy? Probably not. That's just the nature of sports, and especially being a Giants fan in particular. But if they can stay relatively healthy... I think Daniel Jones actually has a pretty decent year next year. Like, you guys know I'm not the biggest Daniel Jones believer, but just based on this situation compared to what he's had the past couple of years, he should be closer to the rookie season Daniel Jones. Hopefully cut the turnovers in half, and that should be at least a pretty good season. Next from Shadow Boy, what do you think the impact of losing Bradbury and Peppers in the secondary 
will do to the defense. They were both proven starters who, in my opinion, were solid and had great games for us. Only way I see us doing well defensively is double-digit sacks for both Ojalari and Thibodeau. So right off the bat, I think Bradbury's loss will be felt more than Jabril Peppers. Losing a cornerback one as compared to a strong safety in today's NFL is the stupid flies in my face. Uh, you guys probably can't even see it, so I look like a moron just like waving my hands around. Anyway, so I do think they'll feel the loss of Bradbury more as compared to Jabril Peppers. Peppers was more in the box. He made some plays, you know, covering tight ends and things like that, but for the most part, James Bradbury Bradbury in today's NFL, losing a cornerback one is going to hurt you more, especially in this defense with Don Martindale and how much he puts on his cornerbacks. So I do think they'll, you know, regret losing Bradbury more, but they had to do it as we know. But yeah, I think you're right with this question in a way. I mean, maybe not double digit sacks, maybe that's a bit too like excessive, but we do have to have good seasons from Ojalari and Thibodeau. Like, I don't really see a scenario where those guys kind of just are average or not good or injured and the Giants still have a good defense. Like, unless Leonard Williams has like 20 sacks, which I'm not really expecting to happen. So some draft analysts thought that Kayvon was a bit raw. And yeah, there might be some truth to that. I think he has to work on some pass rushing moves, but I think he could be a good player right away. And as for Ojalari, hopefully he improves in year two. But if those guys don't get better or are not ready for year two, or, you know, let's say Ojalari is not ready for year two and Thibodeau is, you know, still raw in his first year, that's going to be a problem. Like the Giants have to get to the quarterback this year, you know, obviously, but especially when you lose your cornerback one, you're going to feel that way more. So the key to the Giants defense, in my opinion, though, is Dory Jackson. Dory Jackson has shown in the past with the Titans, I think in his rookie year and his second year, that he can play like a cornerback one. He showed it at some points last year as well before he got hurt, but you know, with Adori, it's tough to bank on him staying healthy for an entire season. Last year, he missed a couple games, I believe, but going back to his Titans days, he had 2019 and 2020. Those were rough injury years for Adori Jackson, so he has to be on the football field first and foremost. But if you told me right now Adori Jackson is going to play at a cornerback one level and stay healthy for the whole season, I would have a lot more faith in this Giants defense. So I think a lot of it comes down to him. Obviously, Aaron Robinson, who right now is slated to be the cornerback too, he's very important as well. He's a guy who was not healthy the first half of last year. He has to be healthy and play well for the entire season. And as for Jabril Peppers, you're going to have guys like Julian Love and Dane Belton, the fourth round rookie out of Iowa to kind of fill in that role. And I think Dane Belton eventually can fill in that role. I don't know if he'll do it right away. Like, I don't expect Dane Belton to play 85% of snaps in week one, but I do think I could see a scenario where he's starting by the end of the year um, in that Jabril Peppers role. So we'll see what happens there. But um, I do think the Giants will feel the Bradbury loss more. You're putting a lot on the plate of Adoree Jackson, a lot of pressure on him, and even Aaron Robinson to step up. So the Giants right now, I don't feel great about their cornerback position, but if Aaron Robinson and Adore Jackson stay healthy, hopefully they'll be fine. Next from Clutch Craziness, this is a fun question. Which receiver do you think will lead the Giants in touchdowns this season? So I did not look at like the betting markets or anything like that, but I would assume that Kenny Galladay is the favorite. Um, but I'm going to go with Kadarius Toney, and I don't really know if Toney's going to be healthy the entire year. I feel like with Tony, you always see red flags of like, oh, he's absent from practice, and oh, his shoe fell off, and oh, like it's just, you know, everything with him. But assuming Tony stays on the field, I do think he'll put up good numbers this year. I think he is very talented. I would say Galladay, but like Daniel Jones has not shown that touch in the red zone that I think a guy like Galladay needs. Like, I think with Daniel Jones, 
He's not the type of guy that's going to whip it in there, but he also has not shown the touch to like really lob it over defenders in like the end zone or even throw a great fade route has been a problem for Daniel Jones. But a guy like Matthew Stafford, like he was good at that stuff, especially like throwing lasers on slant passes and stuff. So, you know, I always thought Stafford was a great quarterback for Galladay. So I don't really know if Kenny Galladay is going to lead the Giants in touchdowns this year. I think he has the best percentage chance right now because of the position he plays x receiver being 6'4 or 6'5 and being their wide receiver one but I don't know if like that's the right quarterback wide receiver combination like I feel like Daniel Jones does his damage on the big plays and Kadarius Toney should be a big play guy obviously for the Giants this year now if Daniel Jones does a complete 180 in the red zone and like completely turns his career around there then hey I mean Galladay could absolutely lead this team in touchdowns but Daniel Jones had a 38 completion percentage in the red zone and that has to improve by a lot like if he does not improve in that area the Giants are once again going to be a bad red zone offense like Daniel Jones has to get a lot better with that completion percentage not to say it's all his fault I'm sure Jason Garrett running his five yard curls in the end zone was not going to help in most cases so hopefully with a improved offensive coordinator um, Daniel Jones has an improved red zone efficiency so I say Tony because he does rely on the big plays. Now, my sleeper pick would be Ricky Seals-Jones. I think Ricky Seals-Jones is a guy who probably 6'5", 6'6", can go up and get it. Daniel Jones has shown the ability to throw the tight ends in the red zone. I mean, we saw some Caden Smith touchdowns. We have seen some Evan Ingram, who I think may have led the Giants in touchdowns last year. I forget. I think he may have. I don't know. But yeah, so I think Ricky Seals-Jones is a decent sleeper pick, but I just expect a guy who is going to make big plays to lead this team in touchdowns. I was actually going back the last couple of years and looking at the Giants touchdown leaders and it was sad like you're expecting like we're used to as a fan base seeing like Odell Beckham with 12 or Hakeem Nix with 11 or you know Plaxico Burris in the double digits and then we see like the last few years it's been like oh Golden Tate leads the Giants with three and oh Sterling Shepard leads the Giants with three oh Evan Ingram has four it's like oh my god this is terrible so hopefully this year the Giants have actually a respectable amount for um, you know leading the team in receiving touchdowns because I'll tell you what if the Giants touchdown receiving leader only has like four in 2022 probably not going to be a good offensive year so the Giants have to find somebody to at least put up a number of like I don't know six can I ask for six touchdowns from somebody this year like come on so hopefully that happens but I'm going to go with uh, Kadarius Tony as my pick next from Nate the great 722 what can we realistically expect from Saquon Barkley this year all right, so for Saquon, I would love to sit here and be like, oh, he's going to have, you know, 2,200 scrimmage yards, but you did say realistically, so I'll try to be as realistic as possible. Um, I'm not expecting 2018 Saquon Barkley ever again. That's just the truth. I mean, I said the same thing watching James Harden last year. I was like, we're not going to see the Rockets version of James Harden ever again, and obviously that was not the case. So um, with Saquon Barkley, though, I don't think 2018's happening again. He's now 25, so you know, coming off some big injuries. I mean, last year, of course, another injury with the ankle, ACL in 2020, had another ankle, I believe, in 2019. So it's been unfortunate. But I do think Barkley is still a top 10 running back in the NFL when healthy. And this regime is going to line him up as a receiver. We've heard about that in practice. They'll give him the ball in space this year. So I do like that, of course. Like we saw Saquon on some screen passes, do some special things out in space. Like I always go back to that Eagles game in 2018, his rookie year 
Thursday night game, home game, the Giants got obliterated in that game. But there was that awesome Saquon Barkley screen pass where he like just basically zigzagged through the entire defense and picked up like 70 yards and almost scored a touchdown. So I go back to that play. So if they give the uh, ball to Saquon in space, I'm going to like the results. But there were so many times last year, I think I saw a stat where Saquon was hit behind the line of scrimmage or something like that. So the offensive line has to be better. But, you know, I can't give Saquon a full pass because we've seen guys like Wayne Gallman, Alfred Morris, and Devontae Booker outperformed Saquon Barkley while being on the same roster. So that's not a good look for Saquon Barkley, obviously. So I guess my realistic expectations, I feel like I'm a fantasy football guy now, but I would predict like 1,100 rushing yards, nine touchdowns, and like 500 receiving yards. Like that's a good season. That's 1,600 scrimmage yards over that. So, you know, like that's that's fine. Like you're not going to get second overall production. I feel like, unfortunately, those days are probably over. I mean, Saquon, of course, course could shock us all I guess I wouldn't really bet against him but I don't know it's just a lot to expect now but if he gets hurt though it wouldn't surprise me I mean we've seen it now so you know fool me once fool me twice we've seen it three times in a row now so that would be uh not good but I guess I guess the good news for the Giants is they're not really committed to Saquon long term like this seems like it's a one-year thing for Saquon and whether he has a great year or a bad year, I don't know if he'll be a giant next year. So that's pretty much how it's going to be. I don't really see Joe Shane and the way he thinks as a GM being the type of guy to break the bank for a running back. So we'll see how that goes. But hey, we know what athletes do in contract years. They put up some of their best numbers and Saquon isn't a contract year on that fifth year rookie options. So hey, Maybe it is a 2,000-yard season. I don't know. But the Giants, first and foremost, need a healthy Saquon, better run blocking. And Saquon just honestly, like we we all say this as Giants fans, you can be a, a big Saquon truther, a person who really wanted him second overall, or a person like myself that felt they should have went in a different direction. But I think we all can agree as Giants fans that Saquon Barkley has to get more consistent with put, picking up the four, five, six yards of carry. Like Saquon is just such a boomer bust type of running back. Like he has so many negative run plays or it feels like he breaks off a 50-yard run. So Saquon has to find that consistency. Like, I remember watching Arian Foster. I know this was back with Gary Kubiak, who's a great uh, play caller, great for uh, for running backs, and, you know, they had a better offensive line in Houston, obviously. But still, watching Arian Foster back in his prime, like, he would consistently pick up three, four yards every single time. Even when it was like a play was going nowhere, he always found a way to get positive yards. And you see a guy like Saquon now with this giant situation, it's like there's too many negative plays. You should not run the ball on first and 10 and have it be second and 13 after that like that's not the goal of a running play so they have to be more consistent Saquon of course is first and foremost with that the offensive line as well but I do think this offense and the new play caller will put him in a better position it just depends if Saquon can stay healthy next from Dave Campbell which tight end I love the way you word this question by the way which tight end do you think becomes tight end one by week one and why is it Daniel Bellinger I, I love the way you word that because honestly I don't disagree like no offense to George Jordan Akins or Ricky Seals-Jones, who I mentioned before, but like Daniel Bellinger, I think, is a better player than those guys. Like maybe as Giants fans, we're kind of overestimating our rookie class like every other fan base does, and maybe we think Daniel Bellinger is way too good right now, but I don't know. Based on the reports we've seen in camp so far, it seems like Daniel, uh, almost said Daniel Jones, Daniel Bellinger is like checking every box, and I think he's running with the ones at some points as well, so it's trending in the right direction, and the guys he has to beat on the depth chart are not that great. Like Jordan Akins and Ricky Seals-Jones, those are like journeymen type guys, and 
guys that are not really going to be anything great, I don't think. So if you're Daniel Bellinger, this is a guy who I think has every opportunity to be the tight end one by week one. Bellinger has that size. He's sure-handed. He's already a pretty good blocker for the most part. And I think with Brian Dable, like he kind of wanted a guy like Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox, of course, is the Bills tight end. He's had a really good last couple of years. And I think Bellinger is like a similar build, similar athlete. So that's a guy I think is going to get a lot of uh, run in this offense. So I, I do think the Giants will definitely use all three tight ends. I don't think Bellinger will play 100% of the time, but I would not be shocked at all if after week one we go back and look at the snap count and it's like Daniel Bellinger's 64%, and then you have like the other two guys at like, I don't know, 34%, one of them's 20%. You know what I mean? Like I could see a world where Daniel Bellinger is the tight end one for the Giants right away. It would not surprise me. And I, th- I think with a good preseason, that's pretty much going to wrap it up. But um, hopefully he stays healthy. But Daniel Bellinger is definitely one of those guys that I am most excited for as a Giants fan to watch with his rookie class. Obviously, Evan Neal is one of those guys and Kayvon Thibodeau. But like I think maybe number three for me is Daniel Bellinger. Nah, maybe number four because I forgot Wanzel Robinson. But he's up there. Daniel Bellinger is definitely one of the guys I'm excited to watch in his rookie season. Next from Mike Clark. What are your thoughts on Darius Slayton getting second team rest? with guys like Richie James and David Sills getting first team reps. I mean, honestly, it's it's not a surprise. I, I gotta be honest. Like, I was never really, like, the biggest Darius Slayton guy. Like, he, I guess, surprised all of us for a fifth-round pick, but... I remember after that Steelers game in week one of 2020, there was this whole like Darius Slayton for wide receiver one movement going on. And like, I just couldn't get behind it. Like, I think Darius is fine as a wide receiver three or four, but to put him as like one of your first two guys is not where I want to be with a wide receiving core, to be honest. And I think right now, looking at the Giants receiving core, like you have Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, and Wandell Robinson just automatically ahead of him. Now, whether you want to put... Sterling Shepard for or put Slayton for that's you know a toss-up for me I guess a healthy Shepard is better than Slayton obviously so if Shepard's looking good I think Slayton might be the wide receiver five but you know this is a regime that did not draft Darius Slayton he was a fifth round pick he's not a tremendous athlete I guess he's pretty fast in a straight line but there's there's too many limitations to Darius Slayton's game I mean the hands obviously too many bad drops he doesn't really catch the ball well in contact he doesn't do that much after the catch so I don't know he's not the best route runner so I I just think there's too many limitations to Slayton's game I'm not sure what they expect from David Sills or Richie James but here's the thing Richie James was more of a return guy with the Niners and David Sills as we know has not gotten much of an opportunity in the NFL I think Sills may have had a drop last year I'm trying to remember but he really didn't have that much playing time so with guys like those who are unproven guys and have not had the snap counts that Darius Slayton has, like Darius Slayton's had seasons where he's, I think, seen, you know, he's gotten 700 plus receiving yards as a rookie. He played a lot in his second year as well. So there's a lot of tape out there on Darius Slayton. Like I think the Giants coaching staff and even Joe Shane, the front office, they know what Darius Slayton is right now. So what they don't know is what David Sills is going to be or Richie James. These guys are more unproven. So you want to just turn over every rock, every stone, whatever the you know term is, and just see what you have. So I think I don't I'm not taking too much into this, but yeah, like it would not shock me at all if Slayton's cut. Like I, I would actually kind of be surprised if he made the team. Maybe that's stupid to say. I don't know. But I, I just don't think he's like a sure thing to make this roster. Like I I could see this team going in the direction of Richie James because they like his returning ability. Maybe they like David Sills. I don't know. But I I would just say Darius Slayton being with the second team was really not too much of a surprise. Next from, uh, I am definitely going to butcher this name, Josu Buenrostro. 
I think I nailed it. Of course, we all hope that Daniel Jones is the guy, so we aren't pressured to pick a quarterback first next year and spend the first round pick elsewhere. And saying so, if Daniel Jones plays his mind off and the coaching staff pays him and sees he is good, not saying he's the S-H-I-T, but if he is, where do you think they'll prioritize if he does play out of his mind? So basically, I think the question is, like, if Daniel Jones has a really good season next year, what positions would the Giants look to draft highly next year? I think is what we're getting at here. So if I can get into the mind of Joe Shane, I think he has the positional value thing going on in his mind, which I, I like a lot, obviously. So talking about before with this team, what do they need? Cornerback depth. I think with this team, like there was a chance that they could have taken Sauce Gardner, but he went to the Jets at four. But I don't, I don't think the Giants were, would have went in that direction anyway. I think they wanted to go with, you know, offensive tackle, obviously. Maybe they would have went Sauce if he fell to like seven. I don't know. But anyway, cornerback definitely has to be like number one for me. I would say wide receiver should be on there because you're looking at a situation where Kenny Galladay, if let's say he has another injury riddled season this year or he's just not that good, you can move on from Kenny Galladay and save about $7 million next year. His dead cap hit was still like, I think, $14 million. So I don't think they want to go that route. But if they had to cut Kenny Galladay, they can do that. But you can never have too many wide receivers. I think Joe Shane feels the same way. So I think corner wide receivers like the first two. And then edge. I think edge is another possibility. Like, you can never have too many guys that can get to the quarterback. Let's say, you know, I guess in a perfect world, you would hope that Kayvon and Ojalari are studs, which I hope is the case. But Ojalari was a guy from the previous regime. If he takes a step back in year two, which I guess could happen, then, hey, that opens up the door for a potential edge guy to be taken in the first round. Last question from Nikki. Over under five and a half sacks for Leo. So Leonard Williams over under five and a half sacks for this year. So the last two years with the Giants, he has gone over that. Of course, in that 2019 season between the Jets and Giants, only had 0.5 sacks the entire year. So that would have been under. So Leo has been under that number one, two, three, four times in his career. And he hit the over one, two, three, three times. So he's been under more than over, but still, I think Leo is going to get it. You look at his last two years with the Giants, 11 and a half sacks followed up by six and a half sacks. So, I mean, look, last year wasn't the best season from Leo. I think he was definitely better in 2020, but you know, he's not all about getting sacks. We know that Leonard Williams is more of a pressures guy, a quarterback hits type of guy. Being as big as he is, it's tough to get sacks and have the agility that a guy like a Khalil Mack has or someone like that a TJ Watt but he does get his pressures and I do think playing next to Dexter Lawrence and next to now an improved Aziz Ojolari hopefully next to Kayvon Thibodeau it will take some of the attention off of Leonard Williams and I do think he'll get to that five and a half sack number I expect somewhere from like six to seven sacks somewhere in that range so I will pick the over and I do think playing next to better teammates will help him the Giants secondary is the scary part they have to do their job because if they can't cover for an extended period of time that's going to be an issue, but we know Don Martindale wants to be aggressive, and you know, he's done it the past couple years here, Leo. So I will pick the over, and I think making the amount of money he does this year, he better get the over, that's for sure. So, anyway, that's going to do it for the video. I hope you guys enjoyed. We'll do another questions video at some point before the season starts. Not sure when my next Giants video will be. If you have a Giants content idea, let me know in the comments. I definitely don't have the time I used to, but at some point I will make a Giants video before the year starts, obviously. So we'll get to that. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy. Leave a like. It always helps out. And I'll talk to you guys next time.